People Smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everyone and welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm Jodie Greer, I'm the founder of Be People Smart. And before I tell you what myths we're busting today, I am absolutely delighted to introduce my guest speaker, uh, Deborah Rue, who is a living legend in the disability inclusion space and my friend. So Deborah, tell people a bit about you. Oh, thank you, Judy. And thank you for that. Uh, it, just being your friend is a gift uh, that I cherish. So, um, well, I, I just want to say hello, everybody. I'm joining from a chilly Virginia morning. And even though this is a podcast, I'll tell you, I am a white mature woman with uh, purple and gray hair. I have lived experiences with disabilities. I um, am neurodivergent and have ADHD. Um, also now a widow, but my beautiful husband had a traumatic brain injury from a child and it grew into dementia. He passed away a few months ago. And then I have two beautiful grown children and my oldest is a daughter with Down syndrome who keeps me hopping every day of the, my life. Um, but I'm proud, Jody, to be part of this community. And I'm the CEO of Rue Global Impact. And we do similar things to what you do, Jody, in that we just help corporations and big brands meaningfully include people with disabilities. And, um, and also, I am one of the founders of a new organization, billion-strong.org, which is the world's first global identity organization um, encouraging the 1.7 billion people with lived experience with disabilities to come together with pride to really celebrate each other. So long introduction, but thank you, Jody, for having me. No, perfect introduction. And I genuinely am very excited to have you here on the podcast. Um, so the myths that Deborah and I are going to be busting today are, one, disability inclusion is just too difficult to achieve. And the other is that when CEOs say that they want disability inclusion to happen, it happens. Woohoo! <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so, starting with um, the first one, which is about disability inclusion being too difficult. So, Deborah, for me, I hear this from a lot of organisations. They genuinely think it's difficult because they don't have the experience. They don't want to be offensive or do the wrong thing. But... The reality is because they don't have that expertise internally to, to take a lead and they just don't seem to recognize that there's people like me and you out there. Yeah. And, and it's also amazing. Now, once again, I'm going to be answering, even though I'm a global firm, I'm going to answer these questions often from the States because I do live in the United States and you might have noticed that we like to put down legislation and then we like to sue each other and do our litigation to pound out our laws. So I do hear this often all over the world, but certainly here in the States, it's too hard. It's too hard. And I, I remember one time I was on stage, Jody, and I was actually sitting next to a very talented lawyer who um, is also a person with lived experience with disabilities. And we were at this point on a panel and somebody from the audience said, well, we're a business and we want to hire people with disabilities. Where do we begin? And one of the panel members um, said, just go hire somebody with disabilities. And so then the mic came to me and I said, you know, that's a good answer. I get why that's a good answer, but businesses, corporations, 
you know you have rules and you have all kind of guidelines and all kind of standards and legislation you have to comply with. Go and do a plan and then work the plan like that amazing maturity model you created, Jody. You don't just wing it. You just don't go out and hire a person with disabilities, whatever that means. You make a plan and then you work your plan. You are a corporation. You have to follow procedures and standards and have, you know, you know how it works, businesses. Don't forget and think on this particular topic, I do it different. No, you don't. You prepare, you plan, you execute. I completely resonate. And as you know, I'm a very keen strategist. And so for me, strategic planning, roadmaps, it all has to come hand in hand. And the other thing, I don't know if you see as much of this, Deborah, but I see a lot of organizations who basically what they want, first and foremost, are statistics. They want to know how many people do we have right now today who are working for us with a disability. And I always say the same thing. I say, first of all, if you actually want to be able to get those statistics, you need to build the culture to make people feel confident and comfortable to share. But also the stats are kind of irrelevant because your number today and your number tomorrow are going to be very different. Right. So do you see the same thing? I definitely do. And I would say, once again, because here in the States, we are actively suing brands and will continue to actively sue them. I personally haven't sued anybody, but I'm telling you, we that is just the way we do things in the States. And I will also say to anyone outside the States, as a defend my beautiful little country, yes, it's messy the way we do things, but thank goodness we do sue corporations because because we're suing them, we're suing them for so much money and we're um, embarrassing their brand, meaning uh, by what happens, we have actually seen progress with this. And it's a shame that I have to hit somebody over the head to get them to include us. But the messiness, you know, hopefully is continuing to move us forward. So I think the opportunity now, Joey, Jody, is to really focus on who are the brands that are really making a difference, really making a difference and really care about it. But if you are trying to just put everybody in little boxes, I just think those days have got to be gone now, you know, and I'm not really answering your question right, Jody, but I just think we can't keep doing it the same way we've been doing it and expect different results, especially when we see things like, um, I know at one point, Um, There was a quick study done of CEOs and one in um, out of four CEOs, three of the CEOs said they definitely have lived experiences with disabilities. And the next question is, do you disclose that? And they said no. And the reason why they said no, Jody, is because we as societies have decided that people with disabilities are broken, which we're not. But so it's you start digging into these things and it's very complicated and it's um and i think that's one reason why people are getting confused but at the same time there are entities in the marketplace that are adding confusion to the market including some investors investing in our community but not caring about if your application works for people that are blind Uh, and i'm just saying there, there's information and groups that are doing things that are making things harder for us all to move forward. It, it's just complicating things. Yeah, so much Sorry. from what you just said. But first of all, I want to just go back to the whole litigious nature of the state because I'm interested in the fact that you said that you are obviously seeing improvements through that um, culture. But also, 
I have my own reservations just because I see a lot of conversation going on in certain forums, particularly ones that are very kind of US centric, where the actions are, have I done enough to not get sued rather than am I doing enough to create a human centric culture? So is it working? No. What's happening is it is created no and yes, yes and no, because what is it's done, this is bad, is it's created a culture of us and them. The corpse or the brands against the community, people with disability, no stupid. So what's happened is created a culture of us and them. No, that is not good. Now, but at the same time, sometimes we do make progress painfully through, you know, negative action. And so what has happened, which I believe I'm going to give my beautiful little country credit for, is because we've been suing each other, it has forced these corps to take, to, to pay attention at least to it. Even if they're asking the question, what do I have to do not to get in trouble? What do I have to do? And so I think we did it a very cumbersome, painful way that I wish we hadn't done it. But I do believe all of these lawsuits and the threats to their brands are getting people to pay attention, corporates to pay attention. But I think the problem is, Jody, they want the, um, the check boxes. And then there's groups that say that they are part of our community, business to business groups that are happy to give them a checkbox if they'll give them money. Even if at the end of the day, your checkbox does not help and might even hurt the community of people with disabilities. So I do want to be honest with you and say, no, it hasn't helped. But yes, it has helped in a weird, negative way just you know (laughs) and you just mentioned the other thing I wanted to come on to actually was kind of around that tokenism piece because we talk about tick boxes and I'm always talking about tick boxes on social media etc because you often find organizations who and I don't think they necessarily recognize it's tokenism I think they have you know they genuinely believe they've done well because they've taken an action so maybe for instance um this is an actual example um They've introduced a scheme to get some people who have autism into the workplace. So Mm -hmm. brilliant. That's a great step within your inclusion journey. But literally, that was it. (laughs) Mm. And and so that was a starting end. But also, there was actually no support structure around that. There was no culture around that. There was no education for everybody else around that. Um, in this particular instance, it was literally get the program in. We're brilliant. We're inclusive. We've ticked that box. And it was right. only when we had a really open conversation that they literally had this light bulb moment and realized that, oh, yeah, there's actually a lot more we need to do. Yeah. And it's it's really discouraging sometimes when an organization supporting the community of people with disabilities do something that they're doing to try to help. And then the reality, sometimes it goes in the other direction. And, and I would say that for like, there are indexes out there. There are indexes that tell you how well you've done with disability inclusion or accessibility. And those indexes have actually hurt the community of people with disabilities sometimes in the States because we have corporate brands using 
that they've gotten 100 percent. A lot of them are getting 80 and 90, 100 percent on these indexes, which I'm confused by only because you should not be getting those high score if your website is not accessible or you you are not hiring us. You can actually get 100 percent on some of those indexes and never have had to hire one person with a disability and your website is not accessible. That infuriates me so bad that I have to just step away from social media. So we have groups that are trying to survive. And Jody, you and I were talking about how hard it is to survive when right now everybody's so freaked out about what's happening in the world that we're not seeing any disability inclusion efforts right now. Everything seems to be being put on hold, but there are groups that will to chase the, what we say here in the States, the good almighty dollar will put indexes and things together that actually hurt the community. And that is, that makes me very sad. And sometimes it happens accidentally, but once you figure out you're there, please stop doing it. Please don't give anybody certificates or indexes or anything else. If they're not employing and hiring people with disabilities and their websites and their apps and their communications aren't accessible to all of us. So I think now the way we're doing it in the States it is really hurting us bad. <laughs> so, but we've got to turn this around, Jody. And I think we have to stop. If we have leaders in our community that are doing things that are hurting our community, I'm not saying we attack them. I don't agree with that, but we just have to show a better way forward, like what you did with your maturity model. And I know I, along with many other leaders, stepped in to help you with your free maturity model because this is the way forward, not free, but helping each other yeah I I have to say I mean going back to this piece about you know the different indices and um schemes as well depending on terminology um there are a lot out there that again they become tick boxy because they're far too easy to achieve so I I see that as well I'm completely with you and that is exactly why I created the maturity model so for several years I kept seeing these schemes and I kept seeing these indices and I I just kept thinking to myself, you know, we need something real. We need something granular. We need to give organizations a way of really, whether they choose to share or not, but where they can really identify how well or not they're doing and they can identify where they want to get to and what it means and what their actions are to get there. So that's why when I launched Be People Smart, literally one of my first actions were to start planning that uh, model. But yeah, absolutely. You and the rest of the assessor panel right around the world played such a pivotal part because it couldn't just be a Jody brain dump. It needed <laughs> to be effective across industries, across countries. Um, and I'm really proud of how it turned out. And I'm really grateful. For um, me too. Me too. And I wanted to tell you, I, I want to tell the, you, you and your audience something else that makes me sad, makes my heart hurt. I worry about our industry, but another thing that I hate about some of these indexes is that what happens when you get a hundred percent, which many of them get 90 to a hundred percent, pretty much right out of the gate. And so to me, some of it is a, um, a writing contest. How good can you write? But anyway, but what I've heard from multiple brands, multiple brands, and this makes me sick, is that as soon as they get that check mark and they get a hundred, ninety, a hundred percent their budgets get cut. So everybody's celebrating that, woohoo, the disability inclusion one, boom, check done, yay. And they have had their budgets cut and budgets are shifted to um, other parts of DEI like 
the gender issues or they're taken away completely. I've had very high, high leaders. This one brand is a multi-billion dollar brand. And the, and the executive was like, oh my God, Deborah, as soon as we got that, they made me cut the budget. So we are seeing whenever you cheat and you're getting these indexes and the business to business group gets money for it, $10,000 or whatever a year, that it's being even worse and that not only did we not accomplish it, but now what little bit you did, they're going to cut your budget. So <laughs> I hate that, Jody. That makes me so sad. So Corpse, if you're listening, please stop doing that. We don't want your tick boxes. We don't need the ableism, the tokenism. We really need to be included and work with groups like Jody that know how to make, know, know how to get us included. But anyway. I, I get freaked out by some of the bad business that I see happening in our industry. So I, I completely agree. I mean, we've got a scheme in the UK called Disability Confident, and I think the the intent mm. behind Disability Confident is actually really commendable. And I, you know, I'll give that to our UK government. Um, however, I think the way it works and the terminology is questionable because level one is like intent, so that's fine, and it is what it is. Um, but level two actually classifies you as a disability confident employer. However, from an action perspective, it's all self-assessed. And effectively, you're saying you have intentions. You are going to work towards creating certain, you know, inclusive elements within your organization. So you're not you haven't got them. You aren't saying you've got them, but you're saying right. you're going, you know, you're looking into this. If that's not the I'll terminology, I'm ad-libbing. Yes, but then yes, you get, I know. You get this badge that says, "I am. A, we are a disability inclusion, um, a disability confident employer." Sorry, right? And so that's, that's not accurate, right? Right? And then, and then the community wants to only deal with companies that are disability confident, and we don't even know. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately, the schemes hurt us. Just like sometimes the investors hurt us. And I'm always strategically consulting with investors. Oh, should we do this? We do. And I'm telling you, Jody, it feels like they don't listen to what I have to say. I don't know why they're talking to me. Because <laughs> it's like, but you're hurting our community. Stop it. Stop. Stop it. But yeah, yeah I'll be happens. honest. And I'll, I'll <laughs> say it. I'll say it for everyone to hear. But this is this is the truth as well. Um, even though there isn't enough activity going on. So there really isn't enough business going on. But I have actually turned away business because organizations, I mean, it is very much ticking a box, but they literally want mm -hmm. to create a document they can put on their intranet in quite a quick right. time frame without the collaboration mm -hmm. that's needed so they can say they've done it. Correct. But yep. there's just no say activity coming from right. that. Right. And I just can't compromise my integrity. So their money isn't that yep. important to me. So I just politely decline their uh, engagement. Yep. I know. I know. It's it's just really wild. And then, of course, the reality is as the world, as we go into the re these recessions and stuff like that, it is going to be hard on our community. It is because we are still, sadly, a nice to have. Uh, and I know that's terrible to say, but that's the way society acts. And so I'm hoping that some of the conversations, Jody, you and I are having with some big groups, that we can start breaking down some of these barriers that sometimes we've accidentally put in our, our way. Um, and we can actually do a better job. But even the, I was talking to somebody the other day about the DEI, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and all the intersections. 
us, the lived intersections and how we label each other. And I know right now we have this pronouns, you know, I identify as she, her, hers. Well, that's ridiculous. Why do I have to tell you that? Well, I don't know. Maybe right now we have to be very deliberate about these boxes so that we understand we are these diverse human beings. But I think now we've it, we boxed it up and maybe now we need to shift in. How do you make sure that you employ diverse candidates and you accommodate them and provide them adaptions and allow them to be their best self and you honor them when they're having mental health issues and sometimes they're caregivers. I think now it's time to come back together, put our human beings back together into one, you know, and, and support those human beings that are living their lives as they work for you and they might need accommodations and adaptions. And, but it all, it's almost like Jody, we had to walk, the other way for a little while to even figure out are we all alike are we all different are we the same or you know all those things that we're doing right now in society and wouldn't it be boring if we was all the same <laughs> i know yes i don't want to be with people just like me i love diversity yeah, yeah i mean me too and intersectionality is a big thing for me because i still see in absolute majority of organizations very very siloed diversity pillars um, mm-hmm. when, they, when they look at their action plans and human beings don't fit into neat columns no and then we're these we're also weird in that we shift you know I sometimes I don't see as well one day as I do another and as I'm aging as I'm you know a woman of a certain age I'm seeing that a little bit more you know so it's like I wish we would just appreciate our humanness and how beautiful our humanness is. And, and when we talk about artificial intelligence and creating technology and communication, why don't we create that human centric? Because aren't we creating it for humans? Oh, so Jody, could we create it for all of the humans? Because we know how to design human centric technology, communications apps. We know how to do this. We just have to have the dang will to do it. And that's what that's what's now we know how to do it before. Maybe we didn't know, but we do now, Jody. So now we don't have the will to do it. And also Jody, I know you and I talked briefly about the valuable 500 and um, before we got on air and we both love Caroline Casey, oh, love her. <laughs> but the reality is, is this her job to do this? Make sure all 500 of those CEOs uh, do this. Is that her job? So definitely not. And it's not just our job either, of course. There's this is everybody's job. But this feeds so nicely into picking up on that second myth that when a CEO says they want disability inclusion to happen, that it happens. So yes, we're all responsible to make sure this happens. But even in one organization, when you're talking a large, complex, you know, with a complex structured um organization. A CEO, yes, they may be top of that tree, but they're one human being. And there's so many people and so many levels below them that the reality is it tends to get lost in priorities. It really does. And and it's just sort of naive for us to think the CEO is going to sit around. It's just naive. Everybody has jobs to do in these big brands and they're very, they're very specific. So it's, I remember we talked a lot because I've been in the industry for a long time. And I remember we were always saying, we got to get the CEOs to the table. Uh, All you do when you get the CEOs to the table is you bring attention to it, but you still 
have to understand who's going to actually carry this out. There's a lot of moving parts. And I think people are sometimes often naive about, you know, um, having the CEO at the table and about what that means, what that means. It's like, oh, good. So what the valuable 500, I think if I, if my math is right, I think it will be second year coming up, I believe Uh, I might be wrong, but um, you know, are they done? Are they done yet, Joey? Are yeah, they done? I, mean, I, I come from a very long corporate career. So, of course, I've lived and breathed for over two decades, these, you know, large, complex companies. And I think what Valuable have achieved so far by getting those 500 CEOs involved is, you know, it's amazing. It's a brilliant first step. But in hindsight, what we really needed from every one of those organizations was that CEO commitment and physical presence. But we also needed that kind of middle management level accountable person who's actually going to make this happen because then it gets diluted. You know, the CEO goes back into the office and asks a member of his or her team or their team to make this happen. They do the same to someone who reports to them and they do the same to someone who reports to them. And by the time it gets down several levels to the person that actually will start this action in theory, they've already got, you know, 25 priorities on their plate. And they kind of remember having the conversation if you ask them, but it just didn't happen. And literally, in a lot of cases, there is nothing to see. Yes. And, and that's what we're seeing a lot of. And it's, and yeah, and there's all these variables and, um, and you don't want to embarrass the CEO either, by the way, I've also had a long uh, career in uh, what we call here corporate America, even though there were multinational um, groups, but yeah, it's, I, I know that people want the easy button. I know that people want a real little checklist and then boom, you're done. I also believe that no brands want to actively leave people with disabilities out of the workforce, but making, trying to pretend like this is super, super easy. If we don't follow strategy and process and maturity models and gaps. And I think you're being naive. And I know here in the States, if you aren't doing that and you're not tracking your progress, when litigation comes for you, when our court systems come for you, you will get in so much trouble if you did not have a plan. If you were working a plan, for example, this was a success with our University of Colorado years ago. They got hit with a very large lawsuit over accessibility issues. and But they had created a plan and they were sort of working the plan. And when the, the legal teams looked at that, they were like, all right, cool, we'll give you a year to finish this. And so they backed off. That's how you get litigation backed off is you have a plan, you're working the plan and you're showing that you're actually making progress to the plan. So it's, you know, that's why once again, Jody, when you went out and created your new firm and you said, I want to do this maturity model and I want to make it available, but I want all these different people from different cultures and backgrounds and expertise to come in and, you know, help me with this. I, it just made me feel good because that is the only way forward. That's why I've written books, Jody. That's why I post on social media. We do know how to do this, but there's so many people out there that saying, oh no, all you have to do is this. Well, I'm in a wheelchair, so don't worry. All you have to do is do this. And it's great. Maybe that works for a lot of wheelchair users, but 
Yeah. Just because you've met one person with a disability doesn't mean they have the expertise to help you put together a strategy that will work year after year through all these different departments that you have to consider and all these moving parts and multinational. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, this is not the field right now for them to be winging it like we're seeing because um, there, there are being consequences to the brand, including the great resignation. If you want to be considered, considered employer of choice, the younger generations, they want diverse teams. And if they perceive that you are a bad company that don't care about, you know, helping the world move forward, they won't work for you. And we've seen those. I won't shout out any brands, but there are some brands that have been impacted from this. So it's a really complicated New, um, nuanced um, thing because it is about society. So. Yeah, I, I see exactly the same. And also, um, absolutely, lived experience is essential. But if you're going to um, work with lived experience to make sure that you're getting it right, you can't li- work with one person's lived experience. It's got to be yeah. a holistic view. And I mean, I would say this, but that's why Be People Smart come with so much um, knowledge because literally... My personal um, knowledge bank has literally come from thousands of people's lived experiences. So they're all kind of banked in me. And that's how Mm. our personas were created, because they're all created from each one's several people. But they're all created from true lived experiences of real human beings so that they can actually add some of that humanity back into how we design our products and our services. Yeah. I, I I know, Jody, and that's the only way to do it. No, you cannot just slam an over accessibility overlay on your system. No, you can't just, yeah, you've got to do it strategically and process by process. And that's why another thing I love about your work, Jody, is you're very quick to say, I do not have lived experiences personally as a person with disability. Um but I do know thousands of lived experiences with disabilities that we can apply and we can make this into a strategic process. And this is business. I, I don't even understand when business doesn't, isn't logical. You have to follow a certain pattern. You have to. Don't wing this one. Please don't wing disability inclusion. We know when you're doing that. It's so obvious to us. So, and we're going to talk about it. Definitely. So there's a question I have to ask you, Deborah, and I ask all of my guests this. If you had a magic wand, Harry Potter style, so it can be anything, and you could wave it and make one thing different in the world to make it better for disability inclusion, what would you create or what would you wish for? And only get one. Oh, sorry. Um, okay. Oh, everybody um, says <laughs> this. You can have two. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I think what I would do is I would wave the magic wand so that people understood the really beautiful thing is that we do know how to make technology and communications fully accessible. We do know how to hire people with disabilities of all different types of lived experiences. We know how to accommodate and adapt you know, provide them with adaptions. We actually now know how to do this. When we started, when I started, like back in 2000, Jody, we didn't know how to do this. We weren't exactly sure how you'd make a table accessible, but you better do it. We weren't exactly sure how you did this, or, but you better do it. 
we know how to do this now as as human beings. So I would wave a magic wand and nobody would build any technology, any communications, any apps that wasn't truly human centric designed. And I know we have universal design and we have all these words, but I love the human centric design because I was talking, for example, to somebody the other day that's running this gigantic metaverse, ridiculously big metaverse. And I said, I was talking to him in about, you know, is, is it going to be accessible? And he was like, Oh, you're talking about section five Oh, Eight, which is the law in the United States, the number of the law. And I said, no, I'm not. He's like, you're not? I said, no, I'm talking about human-centric design. Why don't you design the metaverse so that, so that you personally don't fall off the bell-shaped curve? And he just sort of looked at me, but he was a gentleman that was my age, an elder. Guess what? When we're an elder, we can, we'll slip off that bell-shaped curve. So I would do it so that we would all understand we do know how to do it. So let's please have the will to do it. Please work with the people that actually know how to include us like Jody's group. Please, please stop doing it half ass. So sorry, that's what I would do. No, I like that. I'm going to try and find you that magic wand. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Jody. Usually I only ask you and I'll ask you in a sec, but one of the things I really want people to take away from this today is not only about the fact that we and lots of people out there recognize the complexities within organizations, but they're also the fact that there is help out there. And there's a lot of strength in reaching out to people with experience for their help. We do this in so many other areas of business without even thinking about it, because why wouldn't you? You go out to professional services. So please do this for disability inclusion. If you know hand on heart that you're not you know, completely inclusive, you're not completely accessible, we can help you. So yeah, reach out, check us out as well. I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always sharing. There's lots of people on there that have some great tips. Deborah, how do they find you? Well, I'm, I'm, um, if you go to Jody, you can uh, almost always find me pretty quickly because we're always uh, sharing each other, but I'm on all of the platforms. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm all of the major ones, Instagram, and it's all in my name, Deborah Rue, D-E-B-R-A-R-U-H. And then also Rue Global has them. And then we have, our website is www.ruhglobal.com. And then also, Jody, and thank you for being a global advisor for billion hyphen strong.org but we also are creating um and, and i mentioned this before billion strong which is for the 1.7 we don't really know how many people with disabilities live in the world but we're estimating that um according to the world health organization and it's a free movement it's free so please go out there and join it but to me the best way to get hold of me is on linkedin or twitter or you can go right to my website so very easy to find but also we're all in this together and um it, i just think jody that you know we need more leaders like you that are willing to really step in and help and use all of those thousand experiences that you had to to solve it so that we can make this part of the process and just keep expanding but let, let's do what we already know how to do now. And then we can start getting even more innovative. Brilliant. I know that together we can. Is yes. there anything else um, you really want our listeners to take away today? 
Um, the only thing I would say is if you feel like, it, you know, if you look around and you feel like the world is not listening, I would say, what can you do to join the conversations where we are trying to pull together to really make a difference? And, you know, try to continue to help people to understand that we do know how to do this. We do. You might not like how we do it because there's extra steps, but we do know how to do it. So let's all pull together to support each other and support all the brands that are trying to make this happen. But let's stop trying to um, just do check boxes because we're hurting our community and we all have to help the generations that are coming behind us. We have to. I love that. That's brilliant. And it's really important to point out, of course, that we talked about diversity pillars, but disability is the one pillar, if we're going to have them, where any single one of us can join it at any time. That's right. It's not a threat. It's called you're a human being. <laughs> and disability doesn't discriminate. Mm -mm, mm -mm. And it's not a bad thing. It's just part of life. So no, but if you fact, do, Joe, so right. often disabled people have additional skills because of their disability. I mean, I think that just often goes completely overlooked. I don't think people recognize the mm -hmm. value. Right. And you just can't help it because if the world's not accessible for you, you're going to have to become a natural problem solver because you don't have a choice. Do you want to navigate out of that, you know, in this situation? You have to. And that makes you a stronger problem solver, which makes you a better employee for um, an employer. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Deborah, yeah. you know, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. And I'm quite lucky because I get to do it fairly often. But I'm really glad that you um, could take the time today so that our listeners could also learn from you. So thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you, Jody. And thanks to everybody that's listening, because if you're listening, we know you care about these topics. Thank you. Thank you ever so much for listening to this episode. Really hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, for more Myth Busting, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Please rate us and leave us a review. We really want to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the amazing guest speakers we have lined up.